0: 7 o'clock on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Alfred Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Alfred Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer today. We are now in hour two of the program. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. Pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle you, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street. In Vancouver.
1: We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at kintech.net. Uh,
0: I did want to mention last night's Monday night football game because it was a Super Bowl rematch. It was the latest uh, installment of the Kelsey Bowl. And unfortunately, all my betting savvy got thrown out the window when over the weekend Taylor Swift had to reschedule and couldn't make Monday night football, thereby denying the world a chance. For the Kelsey family and the Swift family to me, that really consummates the relationship. So
1: the Swift family never went. I saw Donna, Donna
0: Kelsey there. Her boys were playing. She mm-hmm. had to show out. Right. But uh, yeah, Taylor Swift had to reschedule her concerts.
1: So what did you think of uh, of this game? Because, um, you know, it was obviously a win for the, the Eagles over the Chiefs. But I was watching this game, and I'm watching the Chiefs offense, and I'm certainly not putting it all on Patrick Mahomes, but I'm putting part of it on Patrick Mahomes through a pretty bad interception, sailed a couple passes. Um is, is yes, his receivers also dropped a lot of passes, but I'm watching this game and going is the Chiefs defense better than its offense
0: now? I mean, the Chiefs in the first half it certainly looked like it because they held uh, the Eagles in check. Right, the Eagles that pass to- rush is very impressive. Yeah, they on. they did a good job of holding the Eagles' offense in check for part of the game. Uh, Eagles rallied from a ten point deficit at halftime. I mean, the play that everybody's talking about is the Valdez Scantling drop, which we actually have audio of. Um, I'll put it this way: it was such a shocking drop that Aikman and Buck went silent for eleven seconds. In between talking and the cameraman just panned around Arrowhead. Showing all the faces of the shocked Chiefs fans. Do you think that was intentional, or do you think there was a muted mic and there was maybe some talking? That's what I wonder. If there's some muting, like
1: I need to mute this because (laughs) I'm going to swear a lot about this guy that's just dropped this pass.
0: (laughs) So we cut out 11 seconds of uninterrupted silence to give you this: the play of the game, minute 40 left, the game-winning touchdown or the go-ahead touchdown, late in the hands of Marquez Valdez Scandling, only to be dropped. Here's what it sounded like on Monday Night Football. Good protection aired out
1: Valdez Scanling dropped it. Well Marquez Valdez Scanling, who can just flat out fly he lines up in the slot he gets matched up one on one on Bradley Roby and Roby there are not many guys who can run with this guy and Roby cannot and that ball was perfect
0: and it was dropped. One thing that Val this Scantling can't do is catch the ball. He sure can run though. And did
1: okay. you see, did you see after the game uh Patrick Mahomes took a towel or something like that and uh Threw it to some fans there, and then they dropped the towel. And just one more incomplete pass. And someone Mahomes. got that on the internet. They're like, a yet another drop. So I bring this up, <laughs> Patrick Mo.
0: Uh, Patrick Mo was like the PTSD dog meme. It's just like zooming in on his face. You just They're can't believe it. Everything. Yeah. So I bring this up because um, you said, you know, there were some overthrows and a bad pick. The thought going into this season was that. Mahomes could overcome all, that he was the closest thing to Superman that the NFL had at the quarterback position, and that you could lose the likes of Tyreek Hill and other trusty receivers, and as long as he had Travis Kelsey, he was going to be okay. What we're seeing is that's not the case. By the way, Tyreek Hill scored a touchdown on the weekend where Tua hit him. And it's always those crossing patterns in time. Yeah. So he catches it on the run. He is the fastest person alive. He's, incredible. He's not even human. He might actually be a Cheetah, which is his nickname, because mm-hmm. he just ran away. From a defender, who I assume is a very good athlete because he's a professional football player in the NFL. <laughs> and just, it wasn't even close. There was Tyreek Hill running, and then the, there was the other guy. Anyway. Yeah, those, those those cross passes when he gets in, and you're like, see ya. When you hit him in stride, it's mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. You're not catching him. But, but. Mahomes, like, listen, I,
1: again, I know there are a lot of terrible drops, but Mahomes has
0: started to even look a little bit yippy out I, there. I do think this has a lot, not just to do with the, quality of receivers which is poor Mm -hmm. but uh, it was a little wet last night i was reading last night it's like they are so committed to having this brilliant diverse complex offense that they actually bring out too much personnel in games like there will be like one three receiver set and then another one with totally different receivers and there's like 18 different weapons that they try and and i'm using weapons very loosely here 18 different guys quote-unquote weapons that they try and bring in. And it's made for a lack of harmony and a lack of chemistry for Mahomes. Because who's he got the most chemistry with? Kelsey, right? Yeah, I mean, well, of course. They know where That's each other are going to be a security go. blanket. Right. They but know sometimes where, he looks too much for Kelsey. because I think because he has to. So mm-hmm. right now, um, to me, they're not the team to beat in the AFC. I think it's Baltimore. I think Baltimore is the team to beat. They're the number one seed in the AFC right now. And then you start going down the list. And, you know, you passed along a clip yesterday of Tom Brady saying that there's a lot of mediocrity in the NFL right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's pretty astute because you've brought this up a few times. Who are the really good teams in the NFL right now? I think Baltimore. I know Philadelphia. (laughs) I still
1: think. I KC. think San
0: Francisco. KC is still. a good I think. Team. I think Kansas City. Yeah. I'm talking about high end teams, though. Mm-hmm. So we've named four of the 32. Who else are you putting in that conversation right now, listeners? I, I would hesitate. Like I think. I think. I mean,
1: if you look at Dallas, they're seven and three with a plus 127 point differential. That team is good. But it also has that factor where you're like, you don't trust them.
0: Dak right? is playing very trust well them. right yep. now. Uh-huh. You're just yep. waiting for bad Dak to show up again, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the Detroit Lions at 8-2. Is anyone putting ready to crown the Lions in that, like, let's put them in that elite category? Let's put them as a no, top four or five team in the be, NFL? Because
1: they're Detroit and we haven't seen them in the playoffs yet, right? We haven't seen them
0: clutch up. Right. Their last three wins are against bad teams. Uh, the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Bears. Well, they nearly lost to the Bears. And they've all been nail biters. They have squeaked out wins. Now, that's funny for us to say, because earlier in the show, when talking about what the Vancouver Canucks did last night, we're like, look, a win's a win's a win. You don't really worry about it too much. You can criticize after a win, for sure. But at the end of the day, you got the job done. You're paid to win games, and that's what you do. But as far as the rest of the NFL, man, like, I am – I've, I've whittled it down to a group of, of about five or six, mm-hmm. and that's stretching it, that are playing really good football on a weekly basis and are elite. The rest of it, there is a lot of mediocrity in the NFL.
1: How, right how many teams out there would you say like have a great defense, but their quarterback situation or their offensive situation, like Cleveland and Pittsburgh are two great examples mm-hmm. right there?
0: Well, I mean, the NFL right now has a legitimate quarterbacking problem. There are a lot of teams that would probably be a lot better or a lot more competitive because of their defense if they just had a guy that could manage... That position, I mean, that whole division now that you're talking about, the AFC North with Pittsburgh and Baltimore Mm -hmm. and Cleveland and Cincinnati, I mean, look at that division. They have awful quarterbacking with Joe Burrow out and Kenny Pickett in his tiny hands trying to hold on to the football and whoever the Browns are playing at quarterback now. Like It's it's a problem. There are teams that are built to be competitive that have really good defenses and really good running games that can't get anything going. God, look at the New York Jets. The Jets have an outstanding defense. They probably have won their four games this year, mostly because of their defense. Yeah. Like their quarterbacking situation has been awful.
1: So I want to talk a little bit more about um, this. Uh, it's not going to be a world cup for hockey, but it is going to be an international event, international tournament. And Greg Wyszynski who we just chatted with from ESPN was the first to report the emerging details. Now, for the record, we had Bill Daly on a few weeks ago, and he told us it's not going to be called the World Cup. So right. I don't know what it's going to be called. You know, if you look back on the history of NHL international tournaments, there's all sorts of names that they've used: Canada Cup, Summit Series. You know, sure. whatever they can call it, whatever. Um, when I saw the reaction to wishes tweet, and which had the story contained in it. People are upset about this, and, yep. and I'm I'm kind of like, what do you ex- what do you actually expect from the NHL and the NHLPA um, in a tournament where you can't really invite Russia
0: and you've got like a week to stage it? Right. Like, so we, wh- there, there's wh- a lot of negative feedback into the Dunbar what do you, Lumber text what do you message in, bas- in, in basket right now, and a lot of people are saying you can't have a World Cup if the Russians aren't in it, to which I said, yeah. Yeah, they're not having one. (laughs) Yeah, they're not. They're not calling it the World Cup. That's exactly why. The IOC and the IIHF have both banned Russia from international competition. The Mm -hmm. NHL cannot go in the face of that and be like, come on, guys, show up, wear Russian jerseys, and we'll play your anthem. Like, you can't do it. I don't know what else to tell you. I'm sorry that you don't like the geopolitical landscape, but that's the way that it is. Cut and dry. Now, The knock-on effect is that you're going to lose the Czech Republic, Germany. So, like, Dreisaitl's not going to play in this thing. Um, David Pasternak's not going to play in this thing. Mo Sider. There's a lot of good players that just because you've decided to whittle it down to a Four Nations tournament aren't going to get to play. But how
1: how can we not get excited for... A couple of games of Canada versus the U.S.
0: I don't, well, the biggest reason is that you don't know how serious, because you asked this question of wish Mm -hmm. it's like, how seriously are the players going to take it? And that is a great question. Why wouldn't they add the other teams? I mean, outside of Russia, I mean, like, why those, those like, Darius, like, you mentioned, and pass back all those guys. Like, because then you run into an issue where you have to get non-NHL players on the roster. And it costs like, a lot of money to, to, to,
1: to, to set up, and you don't know if you're going to return your investment on it.
0: I don't think the Germans are going to be able to field a team, or ice a team, sorry, of entirely NHL players. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a problem. The same with the Czechs. I'm not sure that they'd be able to do it either. And that's what they want to control. They didn't love that the last World Cup they had to go outside of the NHL to pull some players in. Yeah. Like you you remember that went way under the radar. Mm. is There was a couple of KHL guys and there was a couple of guys from the Finnish league and whatever else. So that is an issue that you can't resolve. Like the More NHL can't do guys, anything about this. The Finnish team had a whole bunch of the guys. Whatever the case. Yeah. Um you look at it and you're like, "Well, okay, so if you can't do that, what's the next best solution?" And for me, I thought that this was always going to be it, is take the two best rivalries that you have available Mm. to you, which is U.S.-Canada, Sweden-Finland, and make something out of that. And that's what they're trying to do.
1: I love the format, too. And the format is that they're going to have the Canada-U.S. play, I guess you'd call it a two-game series, so it might actually be like a soccer series. And then... You've got Sweden and Finland who are going to play a two-game series. And then you would have the winner of the Canada-U.S. series play the loser of the Sweden-Finland and vice versa. And then basically what they will be praying for is that Finland and Sweden don't win their semifinal games because what they want to set up is Canada versus U.S. in the final. Like yeah. It's a very contrived format See, to, what- to try and have a third Canada-U.S. game for all the marbles. And hey... I'm okay with that. I just want to see some good
0: hockey. See, I just I hate want the to format. see
1: What what do you hate about it? Well, cuz well don't what, you want to see the potential
0: co- for Canada US final? Yeah, just make it that. Make a summit series here and a summit series there, best of 5, best of 5. Simple. I'd be easy. okay with that. Yeah, you don't I, I'd
1: honestly be okay with that. When you start too. to try yep. and
0: contrive the bracket, I guarantee you something will get screwed up. Like the Americans will lay an egg against Finland. Remember when they played Finland in the bronze medal game at the Olympics and yeah. yeah, they got absolutely thrashed? Mm-hmm. Something bad will happen and you won't get the desired outcome. And then you'll get, oh, Canada will now take on Finland in this highly anticipated game. And everyone will be like, well, that's not what I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. So don't do it. Don't leave it up to chance. Best of five, best of five. You can have... Uh, Uh, For the Sweden-Finland, you can have like some sort of gold statuette because they love gold, and you can make that their trophy. Yeah, You can call them the Golden Boys or whatever you want if they win it. And then Canada-US, you just harken back and say, this will be like all the other great rivalry games that they've had and just make it nostalgic. Play into those rivalries. They already exist. It's on a platter for you from a a marketing standpoint.
1: I have a feeling um, that the players are going to take this pretty seriously. Because there are players like Connor McDavid that have never experienced a best on best series post post junior, right? Like they want this to happen. They've been pushing it to happen, and I will bury them if they don't bring intensity to this competition. Mm -hmm. Like like, I'll be really upset because they've been going on and on. Like we're gonna have more internationals. You know they're gonna get to the Olympics, but like if they don't leave it all out on the ice for this tournament which the nhlpa is part of i am going to be
0: extremely upset you bring up a really good point for once no you bring up a really good point because the players for the amount that they have spoken openly and at times complained and whined about not getting to participate there is now an onus on them to show up and show out like yeah if I'm Marty Walsh, I'm like in there, like the departed style, making threats. I'm like, you guys better show. I'm not going to do a Boston accent, but you guys better show up and make this thing worth it. Mm-hmm. You've been asking about international competition. Now it's your turn to t- show everyone what makes it so great. And, and hype the hell out of
1: it. Yeah. Hype the talk, talk smack before the, before the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Americans versus Canadians. Because, you know, what this will ultimately be is a lead up to the Olympics. Right? Yep. That, that that's what it'll serve as. Uh, Mark in Canada, bruv, you love the setup where game two is going to be one team holding onto an aggregate lead rather than two teams trying to win the game. I hope they don't do that. I really hope they don't do that. I hope they find a way to, uh, I don't know, maybe they say the winner of game one, uh, you just win that and the winner of game two, you just win that and if it's tied, then maybe you play like a mini overtime. Mm. Something along those lines. Do it that way. I don't want aggregate. No, I aggregate. think that doesn't work in hockey. Hockey games can get out of control and all. Like I don't think it's going to be aggregate, and I, I think I will yell very loudly if they determine that it's going to be aggregate because I don't think that will work. But you also do have to remember, guys, that there is a limited schedule, and a limited time that everyone's working with here. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a big like part the, of it. The, the owners already don't like shutting down the season at this time of the year. To go to the Olympics because it's so long, it's such a long commitment. The Olympics, mm-hmm. right? So they're trying to get it done in a week's time. Um, you know whether or not they play these Sweden Finland games in Europe. I think they will, and I think they should. I mean, if you can do a global series I and mean, if four teams just went over to Sweden, then you then you can do it. But I I think I think you have to remember the constraints that are on the NHL and the NHLPA for creating this. I'm excited for it. Mm-hmm. And I hope it pans out. I understand if you look at this and you're kind of like, "Eh, like that, like what, what, what are we doing here?" I, get excited for the Canada-U.S. games well, because this, this is the rivalry. Like we're gonna see, we're gonna see Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon and maybe Sid, probably Sid. On the same team, playing against the likes of you know Quinn Hughes and maybe Thatcher Demko in goal, like I think that's going to be awesome, especially yep. with the with the content that could be in there for Canucks fans, and you know maybe there could be at some point uh, in there, there is the potential for a Canada Sweden game.
0: Yeah, I mean, or I a think-
1: U.S. Sweden game. You could
0: have Quinn Hughes versus Elias Pettersson out there if. If the NHL is listening, and I assume that Bill Daly and Gary Bettman subscribe to the podcast, I think that they should really, really, really lean into the rivalries and the Summit Series stuff. I just It seems like a total no-brainer to me. Have Sweden and Finland play five games against one another and pick some of the biggest places in Finland and Sweden to play games. Play one in Helsinki. Play one in Stockholm. They have the Avicii Arena that they just played in. Here... Play a game at Lake Placid. Play a game back here in Vancouver, the site of the 2010 game where Canada. Play at MSG.
1: Play one of the games at MSG. You know, if ESPN's interested in this, if they're going to be part of this, which I imagine they are, I think they're going to want
0: one of the games in the States. Oh, have multiple ones in the States. Brian and Polka wondering what about a third team that was just the world? That would be awful. That's every team. That's every country, but the four. What, what, what's their What's their unifying bond? That they're citizens. Come on, of the world? world, except <laughs> yeah. for four countries. They have yeah, a big planet on it with yeah. a couple blacked out for political reasons. Like no, captain, like, like the
1: Captain like, Planet logo. Yeah, so, you can't yeah. do it. So here's the text: Players want the Olympics gold medal, country watching, etc. Just a made up Canada versus U.S. is going to be hard to hype up. That's why maybe, we're trying. maybe so. That's why we're
2: maybe trying. Maybe so,
1: but I think this is going to be on the players to hype this up uh not only with their words before the game and say this is important. We've been waiting for this. Yeah. Um and but also like with their play.
0: Make it so if they lose the tournament they lose their citizenship. <laughs> Those are <laughs> high, high stakes. Very <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, high stakes. <laughs> <laughs> All your passports are in a bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guys, you want to stay in this country, you gotta right? win the tournament you wanted intensity, energy. here you yeah, go. He's got a lighter underneath it. Yeah. yeah.
1: No Okay. I, so yes. here's here's a question for you because uh the Calgary Flames uh, have been actually playing a little bit better hockey lately uh, I watched the end of their game uh in Seattle last night they beat the Kraken four three in overtime oh, Rasmus Anderson what a that play. was a nice goal huh that was nice really nice goal yeah. uh seven eight and three are the flames now and you compare that to the Edmonton Oilers who lost in Florida last night who are five eleven and one who has a better chance to make the playoffs Edmonton. Or Calgary. Calgary.
0: Edmonton's hole is. But just isn't Calgary going to
1: sell, sell sell off half their team?
0: I don't know. They want to make the playoffs. Craig Conroy can say all that he wants, right? He can be like, ah, we're not going to let assets walk in unrestricted free agency. But if they're in the playoffs come trade deadline, how on earth are you going to trade away at like Tanev, Hannafin? Uh, Lindholm, well, it, might happen, so it might happen sooner than well, but right? but they're playing well now. <laughs> Huberto's back, baby. You know Huberto had like two good shifts in a row mm-hmm. last night. So uh, Edmonton, the Flames, the Flames are are one or uh, two points out of a wild card spot. Yeah, they're right there. Here's the thing with Edmonton: I don't think that they have fixed any of the issues that Jay Woodcraft had with Chuck Knobloch as their new head coach. I know it's Chris Knobloch, Okay, well also he is Chuck well, also Knobloch their goal-tending,
1: the goaltending, goaltending like yeah. Alvin Pickard. You know, he wasn't horrible last night, but he let in a bit of a stinker. And he took a holding
0: penalty. He had to look at his face like, what did I get myself into? That <laughs> I like third it goal. Bakersfield. Did you see the third goal? That The defenseman tripped over a loose stick and mm. caused a two-on-one. Like, it was just, welcome to the Oilers show, Calvin. Who, like, is, who has received more criticism in Canada this year?
1: John Klingberg or Evan Bouchard? Like, that is a tight race. Although mm. Klingberg might be done, right?
0: Yeah, I think it was easier to just drop him out of the lineup entirely, as opposed to Bouchard, where the Oilers like we need. Well, you to Well, for
1: Merrick we're talking about he might have like hip issues or something like that.
0: Yeah, I mean that was a gamble. Like, they might have to just shut him down. Yeah, that was a gamble in the first place mm-hmm. bringing him aboard. I mean, and it's really different circumstances because for as much as they thought he might be able to bring to the table, the reality is he's not, and they'll drop him out of the lineup. They like, really, hey,
1: well, they really miss Justin Hull. Yeah, he's. Do you remember like, all the converse? Do you remember when Justin Hull would be like
0: constantly trending on? Twitter? we're like God, these guys discussed Justin Hall a lot. They they needed a whipping boy and they had one there. He got it was like he got caught on well, video he was every time he made Awful a mistake. in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, he's bad. Awful. And they had to take him out of the lineup. Yeah. So we're talking about Calgary and what they might what they, don't you think that like, Brad for Living is gonna is gonna push hard to get a guy like Kristanov into the lineup? Because they can't they can like who who have they got on their back end right now? Like it's crazy Mor- if you can't You got Morgan Um, Riley and Morgan Riley, McCabe, uh, like Geo's a hundred years old. Mm -hmm. They traded away Sandine last year. Mm Liljegren, is he still hurt? Yeah, he's
0: hurt. Like they, they need to make moves. Right. Well, they're going to be one of the teams that are going to be calling Calgary, especially because of the true living connection. But I, you know, as we get back to the Edmonton or Calgary debate, I don't think everyone truly realizes um, how low in the standings the Oilers are. They're the third worst team. In the NHL. Laddie pointed this out at the break. Columbus Columbus has lost nine straight games, and they still have more points than the Oilers. The Oilers are eight points back of the wild card right now. The Oilers are 16 points back of the Canucks. Like, they're a mess. They won a couple of games when Knobloch came in, and it was just the new coach bounce. There was no fundamental change to how they approached the game. Their power play still is like milk, one, two, three percent percent They have nothing going on in net that's mm-hmm. changed. They still can't stop pucks. Bouchard's still making same terrible reads uh, on the blue line, and they're still giving up a ton of goals. Like, we're getting closer and closer to American Thanksgiving, and I know Wish said... This might be the year that that trend gets bucked where teams that are out have a hard time making it back in. That may be the case, but I don't see Edmonton as one of those teams. I really don't. I think that they're cooked. There are a lot of very mediocre teams though in that wild card position right now. Mm-hmm. St. Louis has
1: got the first one, Seattle's got the second it's one. More like
0: the mid-card.
1: And then you've got Anaheim who started off pretty well, but I don't think they're for real. Arizona I don't know. They're, Arizona. They're plucky. Arizona's better <laughs> plucky. than people might expect. Um, like, if you're the Calgary Flames, you've won a few games here. Again, you're only two points out of – they're two points out of the second wild card spot, and they've got two games on ha- in hand on, on the Kraken, who they mm-hmm. just beat. Like, there's a decent chance that they could make it.
0: Oh, I think Calgary's got a better shot than Edmonton. And if you look at that mushy, like, do you trust right now?
1: Nashville, Minnesota? Minnesota seems to be in a real bad spot just organizationally Five right now. Five straight
0: losses for the wild. And there's another team. So look at the teams that were in the playoffs like last year that have fallen out and significantly. Uh, Edmonton and Minnesota are the two big ones. And then you talk about Seattle's barely hanging on to that second wild card spot. And they were Seattle's
1: a goal differential here. is minus 18.
0: Yeah, they've been skunked a few times and they don't really have a great offense. It's sort of a pop-gun offense. And by the way, Grubauer got hurt last night. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, Decourt's been playing. He's actually been pretty good for the Kraken. You have to pronounce it the French Canadian way. Decourt. There you go. You, uh,
1: know, you know, it was funny. I looked uh, and I was like, "How many games did the Washington Capitals win while I was on vacation? They were on fire. Like, what is going on there? <laughs> How are they doing? I just looked. I, yeah, I looked at they this, were on fire.
0: I looked at the standings yesterday. I was like. Wait a minute like Washington's up there. I when just saw a were... number though like Oshi's got 1 point this year. So you know who they're leading. Go- they're leading goal scorer, unless it's change is Ryan Strom. How are they doing this? I have no idea. They've got they've got guys in their lineup that I've never heard of before. Like and Kemper's been hurt, Charlie Lingern was playing out of his mind for them, but they are the weirdest uh out of nowhere comeback story. Yeah. Obi's only got 5 goals. When you were gone, they went on a stretch that basically got them to 7-1 one, and 1 <laughs> in a 9 game stretch and they just vaulted into playoff contention. And they did it, and Anaheim did it at the same time. Where we we're like, "What is going on here? Why are Washington and Anaheim suddenly good?" It's been a weird start to the season in a lot of different. It's been ways. a really weird yep. start to the season. Oh, yeah. like Philly might be legit. Well, they're in. A, they're in a wild card spot yeah. right now. Actually, they're in a playoff spot in the Metro. I think the Metro is all turned upside down because after the hot start to the season, New Jersey went in the tank. Right. Weird is good though. Embrace the weird. And then there's well, the Canucks. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, the Canucks are maybe the weirdest of yeah. all, right? Yeah. And one team that's not weird, just bad. The Columbus Blue Jackets and joining us on the show next, uh, Aaron Portsline is going to come on and talk about all the dysfunction. What an unfortunate year for a franchise that I kind of want to see do well because they've been so bad for so long, but it just seems like they make so many decisions that go the wrong way. And right now they are the coldest team in the NHL. They're on a nine game losing streak. That is healthy scratch. Patrick line. We'll talk to Aaron Portsline about all the dysfunction in Columbus coming up next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.
1: Talking all Canucks, all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas
2: Dranz. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever.
0: 733 on a smoking Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Half Bruff, Sports Sportsnet 650. Ooh. Somebody stop me. Somebody stop me from making so many mistakes on the show. Prior to break, I said that the leading goal scorer in Washington was a Strom. Ryan Strom. That was right. It's Dylan Strom. Wrong Strom. You were half right. I should have just said Strom. You should have. Play it safe. <laughs> Play it safe. And then I was like, does Ryan Strom even in the NHL anymore? He is. He's a member of the Anaheim Ducks. Would not have guessed that in a million years, folks. You know who plays big minutes for Washington? What's that? Rasmus Sandin. See, we're learning a lot mm-hmm. in this show. We've paid zero attention to the Capitals. Right? If Obie's not scoring, I'm not really paying attention. Yeah. Even though they're firmly in a playoff spot right now. It's weird. Uh, anyway, Let's you are- talk
1: about Sonny Milano's game.
0: There's another guy. He's a guy in Washington doing the thing. Playoff-bound Capitals. Um, okay, reset here. Aaron Portzline is going to join us in just a second here to talk about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Before we get to Aaron, I need to tell you that the Halford and Bruff Show is brought to you by the Delari Family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, We are in hour two of the program. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Uh, To the phone lines we go. We are joined now from The Athletic in Columbus, Aaron Portsline here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Aaron. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Uh, We are well. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Um, We spent a considerable amount of time talking about all the dysfunction in Columbus, really not just right now, but uh, dating back to the Mike Babcock dismissal and even years past. Oh, yeah. It's been a lot, Aaron. You've covered a lot in your time in Columbus. So I actually wanted to start with the piece that you have coming out. I believe it's today in The Athletic, where you got to speak with President of Hockey Ops, John Davidson. You talk about the bad start, Gaudreau, Laine, all the struggles that they've had, Pascal Vincent and how he had to come aboard, uh, personnel changes potentially on the horizon. What did JD have to say to you in this article that's coming out today?
2: Well, I mean, John Davidson, uh, through the years here, he's been here about 12, 13 years has been sort of the voice of Moses here the calming uh, when he says something uh, the fan base tends to nod in unison like it's going to be okay because he said it's going to be okay right he's very much very much an authority figure I think that's starting to, to wane a bit in fact I know it, it is there's uh, frustration here uh, to another degree. Um, there's not. But let's be honest too. We can ask all of the questions we want. We can. They can be as pointed as we want. He's not going to say publicly if he's considering making a change with Yarmo and Why would he? Um, but he's asked the question. He said no. No. no rash moves at this point. Um, and he also said that the decisions on him and and Yarmo come from above. Ownership. Uh, John P. McConnell. They stay in touch with him. Uh, obviously. Frequently, And the the start is not what anybody wanted, 4-11 or 4 nine-game losing streak, I've lost count. And they're just not anywhere close to whatever you thought they were going to be. No Even if you thought they were going to be a, a non-playoff contender, I don't think anybody thought they were going to be, at this point again, uh, Gaudreau, line A struggling mightily. The power play is a disaster. Uh, so not a ton of answers. That will make people feel better in that, Um, but certainly some clarity for some people who wonder where this season might be headed at this point.
1: You might have just answered my question with the Goudreau line and the power play, but is there one glaring issue with this team?
2: I mean, listen, if on this team, you wondered about a lot of things this season. Elvis Merzlikens, the goalie, who had an 8.76 save percentage, He he hasn't been great, but he has not been the issue at all. Uh, you, you wonder what the young players are going to look like. Fantilli's been really good. Uh, Marchenko's been really good. voronkov has been better than anybody could have expected. He looks like an impact player. The thing you didn't think you had to worry about was Johnny Gaudreau. And he's off to the worst start of his career, not even close. He's been uh, marginally better the last couple of games, but he's nowhere near what he, what he certainly was at the end of Calgary or even what he was last season. And Lainey's had kind of a checkered existence with the Blue Jackets where he still has this reputation as a great goal scorer uh, from his early days in Winnipeg. He's been an okay goal scorer in Columbus. He's just been sort of mediocre at it. It really hasn't clicked here for him yet. Uh, But even by that standard, he's off to a slow start this season. Wierenski missed almost all of last season. It's been a struggle for him to get back up. So. There's all you know. The guy is at the top of the lineup, and they do have some talented guys here. Uh, it, it it is in some ways a rebuild, but in other ways, it's really not. It's, you can't call it a rebuild if you've got Gaudreau, Liney, Worenski, uh, you know, Provorov, Severson among your your uh, top four defenses. So there's some pretty decent established players there, and they just have not delivered in the early going. So there's uh, really nowhere to go but up, and and no way to get there. Uh, other than the best players starting to play better.
1: How is it looking down the middle for the Blue Jackets? Because you like their future, at least you did at one point. Now you still like their future with Fantilli and Cole Sillinger. And I know uh, that uh, Kent Johnson has struggled a little bit, but he's still pretty young. Um, But is it just a matter of like, they're not ready yet? So down the middle is a problem, and yet you've got these veteran scoring wingers like Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Laine that are in their primes right now. And there's just almost like a timing issue there.
2: Yeah, well, it is a poorly constructed team. I think we can say that. John Davidson would not. Uh, I will. It, at times, it feels like, and I've said this a few times, it's like putting an eight million dollar Chandelier in your starter home. Right. Like it just does. Yeah. It's not ready for it. It mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. Um, and they're, they're kind of there. I don't know how you say no to Johnny Gaudreau two summers ago. When you consider the state that this team was in, it's probably the hardest thing in the world to say, thanks, not interested. We, especially when you think about well, what is this club's, what is this franchise's uh, reputation over the last five years. Lost Bobrovsky, lost Panarin, lost Steph Jones. Really, this organization has been defined by the really good players that it's lost. And now here is a hard trophy finalist saying, hey, what do you think? You guys want to go out sometime? It's hard to imagine them looking at that and saying, we'll pass. Uh, So they jump on it. I do think it's moved them. Uh, It it just has this this feel of a a franchise that's sort of directionless. They think they're ready to win. Oh, no, they're actually building for the future uh, based upon the results so far this year. But they really thought at the start of the season, Yarmo Kalinas said it repeatedly, this is a playoff team. And I don't think anybody necessarily believed that, or not too many people anyways. Uh, but the results so far have shown that, that that's been a, a pretty far-fetched thought.
1: It's funny, you know, I, I hear those comments all the time, like, how could you not sign this guy? Well, you just don't. Yeah. You have the discipline. You just don't. Right? Like, you just don't. And, and right. we were talking about this yesterday, like, there's no more punitive league than the NHL when it comes to signing older players to long-term contracts. If those contracts don't work out, you, you're in big trouble right now. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious if, if Blue Jackets fans were given a time machine, would they go back and said, say no to Johnny Gaudreau?
2: I mean, some would, I, I think the majority of them would not. I, I really don't. And, and you can forgive them for the, the people here, if you even have to, the people here are starved, starved for a winner. And I know in in Canada and the markets there where selling tickets is not that difficult, people tend to look at U.S. markets, especially quote unquote non traditionals and think, does anybody there really care? The people here really care. And I don't think there are too many markets south of the border, some even north of the border that would have 23 years of, of a history that this franchise does and still sell tickets to the extent that they do. The people here want to believe so badly. Uh, they want a competitive team with smart direction. Uh, they want to see them compete. They don't have a rival guys. Like, they played Pittsburgh the other night, and it could have it been the St. Louis Blues in the preseason. Mm. It was just a nothing game. Uh, and that's sad as hell to people who remember what some of those games were like in the and, you know, between, say, 2016 and 2020, uh, they used to hate Nashville. Nashville's just another game now. Detroit's just another game. It It is a depressed market because of the team, not because of the fans. The fans are, are still here and, and thirsty for it. I think they want Johnny Gaudreau. I think they want this to work badly. And they're frustrated and confused because they don't know what the answer is. And it doesn't feel sometimes like the people in charge do either.
1: Tell us a bit about Kent Johnson, because he's a pretty popular name around these parts.
2: Yeah, you know, and I, this is just part of the head-scratching that goes on here. Um, I, I look at all of this, last season and this season, is a, you have to be in development mode when you commit to first-round draft picks like they did. Kent Johnson played the entire season in the NHL, 16 goals, 40 points. That's by any measure a really good rookie season season. You know, when I first started covering this league, that would have been enough to win the Calder Trophy because um, you don't have rookies throwing up 80 points back then just like you do uh, today. He had a really good rookie season. Uh, this season, the club has deemed that he's not uh, ready to play in the NHL. What I don't understand is if you're truly in development mode, then he should not have been in the NHL last year if you don't think he's ready this year. Grow them right. Do the right thing. I think he should be here. I think he should be in the NHL. I get the sense they're trying to make him into something he's not. He's never going to be a power winger. He's almost a Gaudreau type. He's a slight man. He's not as short as Johnny, but his frame is light. It's always going to be light. It's just the way he's built. Um, We've joked about this. I do not understand his world where he can eat and eat and eat and not gain weight. Uh, but there he is. And and I mean, he's tearing it up in the American Hockey League. And then above, you've got a team in the NHL that can't score enough to to win. And it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. David has been used in a similar way this year where you just, I, I, the club can't decide if they're in win now mode or development mode. And that's not doing anybody any favors.
1: Yeah, that's one thing that the media doesn't understand, eating and eating and not gaining weight, definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah,
2: it's it's, foolproof.
1: Who knows? Um, So I guess it must be a tough situation, obviously, for the ownership because probably some big changes are needed here, right? If if, if that's the case, if big changes are needed, who are you going to trust to make them?
2: So... Yeah, that's a good question. And to, to understand this market is to know that the McConnell family, um, they love owning the Blue Jackets. They are obviously huge Blue Jackets fans. They want to win. But they have taken the approach that in good times most fans think is the right approach. Hire hockey people and stay the hell out of the way. That's what they do. When it's not going well, than they perceived them to be. Um, I think the ownership here trusts John Davidson as much as they have ever trusted anyone. Uh, Ken Hitchcock was close, uh, but John Davidson is right there. He's the first guy they've had, first president between the GM and the ownership level. He is the go-to guy from the top down. I don't see any situation where John Davidson is fired. I don't. Okay. John Davidson pro- probably retires if they decide to change that move. He's had an incredible career in hockey as a player, a broadcaster, and an executive, almost unrivaled. Um, he would be allowed to retire, I am sure. It would be his call at this point on what to do with Yarmo jo- with, uh, Kekalina. He hired him in February of 2013. Yarmo is the longest, the third longest-tenured GM in the league right now, I believe. Um, and speaking to him yesterday, again, he's not going to give an indication if he's thinking of making a move, but it, he did not seem to be anything but in lockstep with Jarmo Kekalina. They're very tight. Uh, they see the game the same way. They both have expressed support for Pascal Vinson's uh, tough, some would say heavy-handed handling of players. And so they go on, and they, they try to dig out of this and hope that this start has not derailed uh, yet, an, yet another season before Thanksgiving, U.S. Thanksgiving, um, but it's, it certainly looks that way.
1: It seems like Patrick Line has been in the league for like twenty years, and he's only 20, 25 years old. He's just yeah. had he, he came, started
2: as a five year old rookie.
1: Yeah, it's 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 incredible. What is he as a player right now?
2: I mean, this is going to sound harsh. I think he's a shell of his former self. And I don't. We have not seen it in Columbus. There was a little stretch last year where he was like a goal, a game guy for about a ten or twelve goal stretch. He was everything. He shot went in. But you remember what he was like in that that early day, the early days in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. where he was not a leader on that team, but he was the guy that when he took the ice, you you took notice, you watched because something big is going to happen. And I think that's what's out of sorts here. I, to his credit. I think he has tried to be a leader this year. I think he has tried. I'm not sure all their veterans see that as part of their role. I think he's attempted to do that, and it has not gone well. He he is tough on himself. He is a very sensitive player, um, and he gets down on himself. I think he's in one of those funks right now where it feels like anything he tries does not work, but I don't think his issue, that's why I thought the healthy scratch was was a, a, a very strong and maybe too strong step, and I wonder how he comes out of this because he is a sensitive player, and I'm not sure how he responds. Johnny Gaudreau responds by working harder. Um, I wonder if, if Lion A just digs himself deeper with this, but we'll see. Practice was supposed to start in about 10 minutes. It's now going to start in 40. They pushed it back 30 minutes. That usually means team meeting. Somebody wanted to get something off their chest. I don't know that. Um... But it, it's a strange situation today. We'll try to get Lonnie after practice and get some answers, but I'm not really sure where it's going, to be honest with you.
1: Aaron, you're one of the best beat writers in the league. We always say that, and uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today.
2: Well, you're very kind. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good day.
0: Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it. Aaron Portsline from The Athletic in Columbus. He's right, Jason and Aaron, but Jason in Ports is one of the best uh, beat writers going. There's some really good guys on – Beats uh, with quite honestly teams that are dysfunctional right now. Russo in Minnesota, yeah, right now is detailing just that team falling apart in large part because they have fourteen million dollars in dead cash. They give the best beat writers the toughest assignments. That's what they say. Right? That's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's that what it has true. to be. Yeah, it yeah. actually
1: is a good. It's a it's 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 a good gig for guys like Portsline and Russo because. They're not in Canadian markets where there's so much like defense being played around the organization. Like it is really hard to get information out of the Canucks these mm-hmm. days. Like they are running a tight ship. Um, but in places like Columbus and Minnesota, the teams need the media. Like so, so they typically have pretty good relationships with the lead beat writers. Uh, but Columbus, I just look at that team and I go like, what is you know? Aaron said it. Like this is a poorly constructed team. Very. Because you look at it and you're just like, okay, you got all these, like, wingers. Like, Goudreau and and Line 8, yes, they're talented. But I know this is very cliche, but are they 200-foot players? Probably not, right? Uh And then what have you got down the middle? Who's your one season? Boone Jenner? Who's a nice player? Captain. But he's probably, at this point in his career, at best a 2C. I think and then you've got all these younger players with talent, like you've got Fantelli, who's going to be a terrific player. You've got Sillinger and Kent Johnson, and I think the you know the jury is still out on Future right, Vancouver whether those guys Man. will be. But if you're Kent Johnson, you're like, this is a bad situation. Like He's down in the AHL now. He's playing for Cleveland, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Aaron was saying like he started in the... I mean, it, it's reminiscent of the Canucks, a, a while ago where you had just this mishmash of players. Sure, You know, Kent Johnson could be, I don't know, jared McCann, right? You come out in, in your first year and you you do really well, but then you run into problems and you're like, what do you do? Now the Canucks just traded McCann. And, and the Blue Jackets might
0: end up doing that with Kent Johnson. Well, the Goudreau thing was really interesting the way Aaron positioned it because he said, what are you supposed to do if you're Columbus? And out of the blue, Johnny Goudreau says he wants to come play for you. Can you pass it up? I don't know. It's a good question to ask. There are certain situations in certain markets that sometimes fate dictates things to you. And you think it's going to go one way, but fate's mm-hmm. like, uh-uh-uh, this is gonna go another way. I mean, hindsight being 2020, 20, they absolutely should have passed on Goudreau. He the analogy he had was great. The eight million dollar chandelier in your starter home. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. And again, in the moment, God, I I hate long-term contracts, and I could even be like, you know, this might be the thing that turns Mm -hmm. us around. Johnny Goudreau choosing us. This guy's coming off like a 110-point season, but if you take it, I mean, I think now when we look at it. Well,
1: it looked like it might work if everything came together. Like, you bring in uh, 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 a player right in his prime like Johnny Goudreau that's playing uh, incredible hockey, um, and then you have this young group of prospects down the middle, and you're like, "Man, this could all work." But you're even talking right? yourself it into just, it
0: right now. You're like, "It might work." There's the possibility. Well,
1: I'm just for thinking it. back in hindsight. I right? know
0: it's and it stinks for them because it was an exciting moment. I mean, that's a kicked around franchise in middle America that nobody cares about. <laughs> How
1: quickly in the NHL does do signing announcements? excite the fan base, and then what, like, three days later, you're like, oh,
0: God, we're stuck with this oh, contract. You're calculating the buyout already. <laughs> yeah. yeah <like laughs> Two the, weeks in. The, the, the
1: situation. Who got the buyout calculator
0: situation. quicker? Huberto or Gaudreau? If you're wondering yeah. how Ken Johnson's doing in the A, by the way, 11 points in seven games. He's mm-hmm. doing quite Future well. Vancouver cannot Ken Johnson. Starts Usually, right I, I, on like, the I like looking Russia. at those players that get oh. sent down and see if it's, is it a team issue or a player issue? Because if they go down the A and they're still struggling, okay, maybe it's a player issue. No, he's... Almost two points he, per game. He's a t- he's a talented player, but he's not the biggest guy. So some
1: coaches will look at him and be like, "Like, I don't know. If, do you think he's going to be a center in the NHL or a winger?" <sighs> yeah. It's and tough. then, and then if he's a winger or a center, like, is he good enough to play in the top six? He's smart where's, enough. Where's his role? He's smart enough.
0: It's just everything else that you wonder about the mm-hmm. physicality side of things. So the, the Can Can actually Jacks just sit back ass. and wait. Just sit back and wait for that thing to sour. And really, all the NHL teams should because I mean, at this case, at this stage. It's so toxic and so dysfunctional, and they're so directionless that
1: you. Well, should... the Babcock thing must have completely <laughs> thrown the season <laughs> right? off, right? Like, like, Don't do you... even mention the Babcock thing. I know. Porcelana, how do well, you
0: know? I, I mentioned it in the intro? It's like another thing of dysfunction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't just snap your fingers and be like, "Oh, that one's on us, guys." We'll then, start fresh though with Pascal Vincent, and that'll fix everything. And then, like three weeks later, he's benching. No, no, not just benching Patrick
1: Liney. Healthy scratching, Patrick Linea,
0: and you know Johnson's in the minors, and there was big expectations of Fantilli, and he's going to be great. But Mm -hmm. you can't bring players up in a dysfunctional surroundings. And where where have I heard that before? Yeah, right. And expect them just to get through it.
1: Yeah, if you have a bad culture, like culture gets thrown around a lot as this excuse when people like the, the Blue Jackets have a have a poorly constructed roster. Like, a lot of it is just because they don't have the right players in the right positions, but that will often, like, breed a bad culture, too. Mm Mm-hmm the culture in Columbus was probably one of their strengths because you know what their culture was a few years ago when they were pulling upsets it
0: was the culture of torts yeah and like that's what torts
1: and- can do when he yeah. goes to the right situation he's doing it in Philly right now
0: he had the us against the world thing no one everyone kind of like craps on columbus but mm-hmm. we're going to fight back and it worked now It's just not good at all. Okay, uh, one final hour to go on the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. We're going to talk to Brendan Batchelor, the play-by-play voice of your Vancouver Canucks right here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, We will look back on a 3-1 win over the Sharks last night. We'll look ahead to a big game on Wednesday night against the Colorado Avalanche. It's Hughes. It's McCarr. It's the Battle of the Blue Line. We'll also do what we learned coming up at 8.30. So stick around. One final hour to go. Don't go anywhere. Keep it on the dial. You're listening to the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650.
1: Obviously he's developed that shot. I mean that he's got a laser now. Leaves for Hughes at the line. Begin
0: laser ignition sequence. Hughes darting into the high slot. Now around Zetterland on the left wing towards the goal.
2: Fire the laser.